logic and practical information do not seem to apply here. He's got more gadgets on him than a Swiss Army knife. Don't make a mess. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am GamerDude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today it's kind of an old man rant type of episode. I know, that's so unique for me, right? Okay, it's not too old manny, but what I'm going to talk about today is some old technology that's better than the stuff we have now. And I know when I say old technology, you're going to think I'm talking about stuff from the 70s or the 60s. No, I'm not going back that far. There's some old technology, which is 20 years old, maybe 15 years old, that I think is much better than what we have right now. And so I intend to hold on to it. And as my first example, I'm going to give you the thing that inspired this episode, and that's my wired earphones. Yes, wired earphones are the inspiration for a podcast episode. Here's why. It's so hard to find them. I was using nothing but Motorola phones for the longest time because those were the only brand that continued to have a wired headset, or at least the option for the wired headset. I finally found out when I switched over to a Google phone that there is a jack that you can buy so you can use your wired headset on a Google phone. So that's what I do, because I still do use my wired headset. I know, people complain about the wires. Oh, they get tangled. Oh, they get caught on things. You know what? The sound is good. It's good enough. I mean, is it as good as a powerful headset you get with a full-blown stereo? No, of course not. But is it good enough to hear phone calls on? Yeah. Is it good enough to hear videos on? Yeah. Is it good enough to hear your music on? Absolutely. Don't get me wrong. I've used wireless earbuds. I hate saying that. Oh, where are my earbuds? It's earphones. It's a headset. I think I object to them at least as much because of the name as because they're a pain in the butt. Because think about it. Earbuds are so easy to lose. A wired headset, you're not going to lose. You got that long wire, it is going to get caught on things. If you keep it in your car, it's going to get caught on the gear shift. If you keep it in your briefcase, it's going to get caught on pens or pencils or notebooks or whatever. Keep it in your pocket, it'll get caught on your keys or your wallet. But at least you'll always know where it is. And they don't get separated. When you have wired earpieces, they don't get separated. You can't lose just one. You plug it into your phone, you hear what's going on. With the wireless ones, they don't stay in your ear as easily as the wired headsets do. I keep calling them headsets. I call them earphones. I call them earpieces. You know what I'm talking about. It's the stuff you plug into your phone to listen. And plugging in is the only way to go. You don't have to recharge them. You're not going to lose one of them. And if you have one that breaks, or you step on it, or you drop it out the car window, or whatever happens, you go to Five Below, you get another replacement set for five bucks. That's all it costs. Five bucks. The cheapest pair of wireless earbuds that I've ever seen, which is, by the way, the one that I bought to try them out, $29. They work okay. Don't get me wrong. They work okay. But I was using them for Zoom meetings, for listening to meetings on my computer when I was working, for having work-related phone calls. They were fine, but they always had to be charged. I didn't feel like I could move around at all because I kept feeling they were going to bounce out of my ear. They don't stay put. So I'm telling you, Wired earphones the way to go. And you can very easily find a jack or an adapter, at least for most phones, so you can use them on virtually any phone. All right, I'm not sure about Apple phones because Apple's very weird and very proprietary, but I can use wired earphones on my Pixel phone, and it makes me happy. But wired earphones aren't the only thing that inspired this episode. I started going through a list of things that I used to use all of the time, especially for work. One of the first things that springs to mind is a pencil or a pen and a notepad. 
Now, I know a lot of people, especially the younger generation, likes to use their tablets or their phones to take notes, to keep track of things. And yeah, I can do that. I know there are apps for that. I know there are programs for that. I know you can do it. But let me tell you, there's nothing better for my mind, for the way my brain works, than to take a piece of paper, take a pencil, write down my notes in cursive or in printing. But yes, I do use cursive. To write down my thoughts, to write down my summary of whatever conversation I'm having, to keep track of whatever passwords I'm writing down, I take a pencil and a piece of paper. I might then take that information and save it to a computer program or an app or fill it in somewhere in a diary entry on my computer or on my tablet. But generally, my first order of business is to write things down on a piece of paper. It just works better for me. Yes, I know I have little pieces of notepaper all over the place. Ask Mrs. Gamer Dude, she'll vouch for that. But I like having stuff on paper. Notes on a piece of paper aren't going to crash. They're not going to get accidentally deleted. I'm not going to have the phone fail to work. I'll still have my notes on a piece of paper. That's the same reason I have for keeping a written log of all my internet passwords. I know you're not supposed to do it. You're not supposed to write everything down where somebody can find it. But you know what? I have a directory alphabetized of all of the places that I go, all of the websites that I go to, everything from Yahoo to Amazon to whatever. I have my little journal listing every place that I go, every password that I have, every email address that I've used. Because I won't lose it. I keep it in a very safe spot, so I'm not going to lose it. It's not going to get hacked. It's not going to get stolen. I mean, if somebody comes into the house and rips us all off, the first thing they're going for is probably not my journal of passwords. I suppose if the house burns down, heaven forbid, I suppose I could lose it that way. But then I'll reset everything. That would happen anyway if my phone crashed, if somebody hacked into my computer. I'd have to reset everything anyway. And given the data breaches that exist these days, I think it's far more likely that somebody's going to hack into your computer, hack into a server, hack into a cloud where all your passwords are saved. I think that's much more likely than me losing my handwritten journal. So yes, I keep my journal with all of my passwords in it so that it can keep them all straight. And yes, I do have multiple passwords, but the reason I'm able to do that is because I write them all down. That way I don't forget them or get them mixed up. Yes, seriously, I have it all alphabetized. I did that. I took the time to do it. Every place that I shop, every place that I go, it's entered into this journal. If you're doing that from scratch, I suppose it might be time-consuming, but I've been doing it for years now. So when I go to a new place, I just enter the new place. I don't have to rewrite the entire book. I just enter the new place. Oh, we're shopping at New Chic now? Well, let's go to the end section. And then I enter my email and my password, and it's there. And yes, I have a way of generating my own random passwords, too. I'm not going to tell you what it is because somebody will figure it out. But yes, I do make random passwords. No, I'm not a random number generator, but I do know enough to make a random password. I don't use the same password at every place that I go, every app that I use, every store that I shop at. And then I write those down for each of the places. It works better for me. As I said, it's not going to get hacked. It's not going to get stolen. It works for me. You know what else I like to have that I like to use? It's a standalone device that was huge when I was a kid, has kind of fallen out of favor over the years, but I like just a basic calculator. You know, numbers, the mathematical functions, 4 plus 4 equals 8. I just like to be able to punch that in. Yes, I know I have an app on my phone, but you know, you got to go to the phone, you got to open the phone, you got to find the app. No, it's not on my home screen. Could I put it on my home screen? I suppose that I could. I don't use it that much to make it necessary. But you know what I can also do? Have a calculator right on my desk, right there. All I have to do is push the button and it's there. It's quicker to do that than even to touch the home screen and open an app on my phone. Because the calculator, it's right there. 
Now, I'm not so old school that I need a calculator with a roll of paper. Have you seen those? I used to use one of those back when a roll of paper was easy to come by. Those were pretty cool, by the way. It was almost like a typewriter. I mean, it kind of was a typewriter. There were keys that actually typed the numbers onto a roll of paper. So as you were entering your numbers on the calculator, you would basically be printing a receipt of your calculations. It was one of those show your work kind of things. Those were cool. But that's when paper was cheap and they made it on rolls for special kinds of calculators. You don't need that anymore, but those were kind of cool. But I like just a basic, regular calculator. I've had the same calculator for like 20 years. It still works. And for basic math functions, it's just easy to reach over, grab it, type it in, and be done. You know, the same thing goes for the time. I almost always wear a watch. Yes, I know I could use the phone. There's a clock on the phone. I have a clock on my home screen. I have a clock on my lock screen. Yes, it's an easy thing to pull the phone out, take a look at the time. I can do that. Occasionally I will. But there's something cool about a watch. I like the way a watch looks. I like the way a watch feels. I have several different watches depending on my mood. I have casual watches. I have dressy watches. If I'm putting on a suit, I wear one kind of watch. If I'm wearing a hoodie and jeans, I have another kind of watch. Yes, I know, it's a fashion accessory. But it's also cool to be able to just look at your wrist and there's the time. And yes, I'm an analog watch kind of guy. I have the clock face on my wrist. I generally don't do digital watches. I prefer the way an analog clock looks. It looks cool. I have all different kinds of analog clock faces on my wrist. Very stark ones, very modern ones. There's always the diver's watch, the blue face with the yellow numbers on it. I have some with Roman numerals. I just like the way a watch looks. I like the way a watch feels. I like the idea of having the time right there on my wrist. It's simple. I don't have to worry about digging around for my phone. The only thing I have to do every couple of years is change a battery. And that's not hard. So yeah, I'm a watch guy. Always have been, always will be. You know what else I want to hold on to? I'm going to hold on to my hard physical media. By that I mean CDs for music or LPs, some of my old vinyl collection. I'm holding on to DVDs. The only one that I'm not really holding on to is VHS tapes. VHS tapes do degrade over time, more so than the CDs do and more so than the DVDs do. But I'm holding on to those physical media because the problem with music, the problem with streaming services... They're only as good as the product that they keep, shall we say, in stock. Like, look at what's happening with what HBO did to its catalog, or what Disney is doing. Even PlayStation Network has done this. They delist things. You can't get them anymore. There is so much TV out there. There are so many movies out there. But do you think you can find them? You cannot. Some of them, yes. Absolutely, some of them you can find. But some of them, not so much. Like, if I want to watch NCIS when I want to watch NCIS, I have to go to Paramount+. Plus. So in order to go to Paramount+, Plus, I have to be subscribed to Paramount+. Plus. I can do that through Amazon. I can do that as a standalone app. But I have to be subscribed. But suppose Paramount decides to delist NCIS. That's what HBO did with Westworld. They took it off, just to give you an example. If Paramount decides it doesn't want to show NCIS anymore, for whatever reason, a good reason, a bad reason, no reason at all, they can just delist it. And then I don't get to see NCIS anymore. But if I go buy the physical copies of the seasons of NCIS, I can watch them at any time. That's why I want physical media. That's why I want DVD players. It doesn't even have to be Blu-ray. As a matter of fact, I just prefer DVD players. I don't need the fancy expensive Blu-ray. Just give me a $20 DVD player and all of the seasons of the shows that I want to watch, and I'm a happy camper. Let me give you an example of a show that I just bought all of the seasons of, Elementary. 
I watched Elementary, which is a variation of the Sherlock Holmes story. Very, very good, by the way. I highly recommend it. But I had never really watched the entire series. I'd watched most of the first season, parts of the second season, parts of the third season. But I had a lot going on in my life when the show was on, so I never really got to sit down and watch it. Now, I knew that it was on CBS. I knew it was a Paramount production, so I figured it would be on Paramount. I keep saying Paramount, Paramount, whatever. You know what I'm talking about. Paramount Plus. My pronunciation is not the point. Sorry if I'm making it crazy with that. I thought Elementary would be on Paramount+. Plus. It's not. As of this recording, it's not. It is, however, on Hulu. God knows why it's not on Paramount+, Plus, and it is on Hulu. Who knows? That's one of the biggest mysteries of the streaming business. Some things are licensed, some things are not. Some things are available in two places. Some things are available in no places. You never know what you're going to get. You never know where you're going to find it. You never know when it's going to be listed or delisted. That's why I went on eBay and found all seven seasons of Elementary at a very decent price. To me, a very decent price is anything in the neighborhood of five bucks a season. Because you're getting like 24 episodes. That's a lot. If you can get a season of a show between four and five bucks, that's a good deal to me. Because that's literally 24 hours of entertainment for four bucks. I mean, I'll pay more if it's a series that I want. I'll pay less if I can get it. Like, I got three seasons of CSI New York for two bucks a piece. That was at a flea market. CSI New York is a great show. You can't find it anywhere. That's one of the reasons that I got it. As of this recording, I'm not sure where it's available. But I don't look for it because I have three seasons of it on DVD. But that's what I mean. If I wanted to watch CSI New York, I would have to find out what streaming service it's available on if I didn't already own three seasons of it. That's why owning the seasons that you want, you know you've got them. You know you can watch them at any time. Nobody can take that away from you. The streaming services are inconsistent. They're capricious. You never know what they're going to do. I just as soon own my own crap and put it on when I want to. Same with music. Music is less susceptible to this than TV shows and movies. But you never know when Spotify is going to fold, when Shazam is not going to have the cut of the song available that you want, when you have to sort through 15 different versions of a song on YouTube. If you have the soundtrack for Star Wars that you want, you can just put it on your turntable, put the CD in your CD player, and be done with it. You don't have to worry about trying to find it anywhere. I mean, I have dozens of records. I have dozens of CDs. I've made some mixed CDs of my own from songs of my own. So if I feel like a certain mix of songs, I can put on one of my own CDs. That's one of the things that I miss in cars, by the way, is CD players. You can't find a CD player. You can't find a tape deck. I'm trying to remember the last time I saw a tape deck in a car. Two trucks ago, I had a tape deck in my car that didn't work, but I had it. But that was 20 years ago. That was a 20-year-old truck where I had a CD player and a tape deck. Back in 2015, when we were looking for a car for Mrs. Gamer Dude, she had to make the hard choice of buying a car without a CD player. And she misses it. You can't get CD players anymore, and it's a shame. It really is. That kind of leads me into the next thing that I wanted to talk about, too. You can't get CD players and you can't get tape decks in cars anymore, but you do get touchscreens. And with those touchscreens, you can get apps. And the apps, you can get Spotify, Shazam, Pandora, whatever. You can get all of those music systems there. You can get the auto app for your car so that you can link all of the apps on your phone with the screen in your car. If you want to put a radio station on in your car, you can touch the button for radio. You can touch the button for the station you have programmed in. Except I have very real concerns about how long these touchscreens are going to last. I like knobs. I like dials. I like levers. I like something physical that I can touch, that I can turn on, click to turn it off. 
You use a lever to slide it up or slide that lever down. I don't need a touchscreen. Actually, a touchscreen is distracting when I drive. I have to look around for the button. Where's the button for my radio station? When I had the old car radio, I had the dial on the left, the on-off switch, and the volume. The dial on the right was for tuning it. You had five buttons or six buttons, depending on how big the radio was, where you had your pre-programmed presets. You could plug in each of your regular stations on those buttons. It didn't require any observation on your part. You could reach over and turn that radio on and push the buttons by feel without ever taking your eyes off the road. You knew that first button was WABC, the Top 40 radio station. The second button was 1010 Winds. That was your news station. And then 3, 4, and 5 were whatever else you wanted. And you knew what they were. You had them memorized. You didn't have to go looking around trying to find the right button. You didn't have to sync your phone. All you did was turn on the radio, push the button, and go. And the thing with those knobs and those buttons, they don't fail. If you get in a 50-year-old Mustang, if it still has the radio in the dashboard, you will turn that knob and it will click on. You will push the buttons and they will send the radio to whatever station it's programmed to. 50 years old, that car radio still works. Now, the touchscreens in cars haven't been around that long, but I know for a fact that I had a used 2013 Tacoma pickup truck. It had a touchscreen on it. I bought it used. I bought it when it was six years old. Within two weeks of me taking possession of that car in 2020, that touchscreen failed. And the touchscreen failed in a spectacular way. It didn't go dark, no. It went white. You would turn the car off and the touchscreen would stay on. There was literally nothing you could do to turn the touchscreen off. It was one of those seven or eight inch wide touchscreens. And you know, you could set it up to program your radio stations and have your phone link with it. But when it decided to fail, it went white, meaning it was draining power from the battery when you turned the car off. You would literally turn the car off, take the key out, and the touchscreen remained on. There was nothing you could do to shut it off. Now, this is a six-year-old touchscreen that failed. I wound up having to take the two fuses out that powered the touchscreen. There was actually two fuses, one under the hood and one under the dashboard. And I just took them both out. It was a six-year-old truck. I wasn't going to be screwing around with it. I didn't drive it enough to worry about the touchscreen. But if that was my main car and I had to go replace the touchscreen, I'm trying to imagine how many hundreds of dollars it would have cost me to do that. And that's what we've replaced our levers and dials and knobs with. These touchscreens. I'm not even worried about the app so much. It's the touchscreens that are going to fail and the functions that you grow to rely on, whether it's the map function or your entertainment function, they're going to be gone. And how many thousands of dollars is it going to cost you to fix it? I remember dropping a stereo into my car for less than $100. It had buttons and knobs and levers. Now, granted, this was 30 years ago, but there was something very simple, very basic, and very easy about hooking up an analog stereo system to a vehicle and just relying on the buttons and the dials and that, and not having to worry about thousands of dollars worth of repairs once the touchscreen fails. I know that's down the road for me, because the car that I'm driving now, nothing but touchscreens. I do not look forward to that. The last thing I'm going to mention today, and it's kind of a spin-off from the touchscreens in cars, it's the smart refrigerators, it's the smart washer, the smart dryer, even the smart printer for your computer. Trust me, I don't need my appliances to be smart. I don't want them to be smart. I want dumb appliances. Have you heard about the printers that are smart? When you buy them, you hook them up to the internet, and then you register them with a company, and then you subscribe so you can get printer ink delivered to you on a regular basis? Well, somebody let their subscription lap and the company shut off their printer. That's what your smart devices do for you. They hold your money hostage. They hold your printing capabilities hostage. Oh, you don't pay for it anymore? Well, we're not going to let you print anymore. Wait a minute. I just need a document printed out. 
Yeah, I don't need my printer working against me. I don't need my refrigerator telling me I'm low on milk. You know how I can tell if I'm low on milk? I open the door, I look, I see the milk container is only about a quarter full. That means I'm low on milk. I need butter. You know how I can tell? I look in the refrigerator. I see no butter in the butter compartment. Time to get butter. I don't need my fridge telling me that. You know how I can tell when my clothes are dry in the dryer? There's a buzzer that goes off. I don't need a voice speaking to me. Clothes are dry. You know what I need? That tells me the clothes are dry. We had to replace the washing machine a couple of years back. The old front loader we had finally gave up the ghost. I hated the front loader, by the way. Don't ever get one. I know they're supposed to be water efficient. There are top loaders that are just as water efficient. But that's a separate issue. We won't go into that today. But trying to find a dumb washing machine was very, very difficult. We finally wound up getting an LG, which is not really computerized, but there's still a lot of touchscreen on the top of it. It kind of has dials, but they all light up little buttons. Then you have to press the button that's lit up by the dial where it's pointing. It's fine, but there were washers out there with all different kinds of menu options. I mean, it's laundry. I don't need a menu. I need to know where's the hot, where's the cold, where's the warm button, where's the normal cycle, where's the heavy cycle, where's the gentle cycle. Those are the needs that I have. Laundry doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. When you start giving me menu systems on my washing machine, I really have to question where we're going as a society. Separate the dark clothes from the white clothes. Have the bright colors in a separate pile. That's as complicated as it needs to get. We're not going down to the river and beating it on the rocks. We're just dividing it into three piles and running it through the cycles. That's all we need to do. Can we please not make things so complicated? Is that so much to ask? All right, enough ranting for one week. We can pick up the rants next week if we want to. But as I was saying, things don't need to be complicated. Give me a headset that I can just plug into my phone. Give me a piece of paper and a pen, and I'm good for writing things down. Give me a calculator, I can calculate things. And just let me throw my clothes in the washing machine. How hard does it have to be? Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for being a part of things. As always, I appreciate your support, and I appreciate you taking the time to be here. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I see you.